Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, rest in our sort of modern world is often something that is sold to us. We, we see adverts of, of rest being advertised as a luxury spa break. Or in a previous era, we might have found rest as being in a Mars bar. You'll know what I'm talking about if you're of a certain age. Or it might be resting in a holiday in the sun, or perhaps this year it's more likely to be in Scarborough. But we think about resting as the chance to recoup, to refresh, to unwind. But what about Jesus's concept of rest? When Jesus talks about rest, he's talking something at a rather deeper level than our ideas of sort of physical rest or even mental unrest. He doesn't just promise us relaxation or a good night's sleep. But he promises rest for our innermost being, for the depths of our very souls. A few years ago, I went on a retreat and it was led by a man called Tony Horsfall, who is a really good author and speaker and has written extensively on sort of spiritual formation and discipleship. And he says this, he says, One of the characteristics of those brought up in the world of modernity is that we expect to understand everything. We must be able to explain things, to fathom them out, to find a reason for what happens. In short, we must be able to make sense of life. And when we can't do that, we are confused and we flounder. Or we could perhaps think about that another way. When we can't make sense of life, we find ourselves weary and burdened. I don't know today if you find yourself confused by the world that we live in. Perhaps for me, it's just a a growing older sort of thing. But I find myself increasingly confused by the culture, the society that we live in. Perhaps it's simply that the internet sort of gives us so much information that our brains can't process it all, or at least mine can't. Or perhaps it is that the world is generally spiralling and change happens so fast we just can't keep up. Or perhaps it's just me. Actually, it it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But it's wearying. All the churn and change of the world can weigh heavily on us. And then we open Matthew's Gospel, and we read these verses from chapter 11. Now, verses 25 to 30 are really significant in Matthew's Gospel. In many ways, and not least because the initial verses, verses 25 to 27, they give themselves this affirmation of who Christ is, this this affirming the very nature of Jesus as human and as divine. In verse 27, all things are being committed to me by my Father. And then there's this beautiful sort of explanation of the relationship between the Father and the Son. And it leaves us in no doubt that Jesus is the Son of God. To know Christ is to know God himself. In the Synoptic Gospels, it's the most obvious passage on the Incarnation, very similar in scope to that great prologue in John's Gospel. So why then does Jesus go from talking about that, talking about this, if you like, this great theological concept of Jesus being fully God and fully human, to then talking about being weary, being burdened, and being given rest? Well, as followers of Jesus, our spiritual life, not necessarily outwardly, but our inward life, those things that go on deep inside of us, we will find ourselves either flourishing or struggling in life, depending on how we understand God and then how we understand ourselves in relation to God. You see, if we get our understanding of God wrong, if we we don't understand what the Bible says about God, 
we can then really struggle to understand ourselves. But to understand ourselves, we have to go right back to the very beginning and to see what Genesis says. In the beginning of the scriptures, in the first chapter of Genesis, it tells us how God made everything that is seen and unseen. And on day six of creation, what we find is that God creates human beings, man and woman, made in his image. And then day seven, we find that God rests. There is a Sabbath, there is a day of rest. And so what we find then is that actually, because human beings were created on day six, the first full day of human um, sort of existence is not a day of frantic activity, but a day resting in the presence of God. Having been made in God's image, having been commissioned by God, God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so Adam and Eve are commissioned to be stewards, to look after the earth that God has made. But we're also called to rest in his presence, to rest under his sovereignty, to rest under his mighty hand, to try, as Tony Horsfall commented, not to try and understand everything, and to take on responsibilities that were never meant to be ours in the first place, but to understand who we are in relation to God. And then as the scriptures unfold, what we find is the final vision that God has for us as humans is to rest in his presence and to be there for all eternity. So let's think firstly this morning about what it means to be known by Christ and what it means to know him. A few years ago, I was visiting a church and after the service, you know, as you go around chatting to various people and there was a man who was part of this church who I knew relatively well, or at least I thought I did. And so I went over and said, hello, it's great to see you. And the reason I knew him was I used to lead worship on a a sort of camp that he used to lead that was for young people. And I'd done it for a number of years. And I went over, hello, nice to see you. How are you doing? And he looked at me blankly and said, I have absolutely no idea who you are. How about that for a conversation starter? Not the easiest thing to recover from. What do you do when somebody says, I have absolutely no idea who you are? So I tried to explain it. I don't even think he really placed me after then, but there was a sort of recognition appeared on his face. We'd managed to establish that actually we did know each other. It's not like that with Jesus. Look at verse 28. The invitation from Christ is to come to me. This call to continued relationship. Jesus never has to ask us who we are. We are known by him and we are invited to know him. Echoes back to Isaiah 55 verse 1. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. That invitation of God to come into his presence to find rest for our innermost being. See, it's one thing to sort of think that we can get to know about God. It's another thing to realise that actually we can know God and be known by him. And it's only when we know God, it's only when we're known by him that we start to find that true rest deep within us. Second thing I want to look at from this passage is about picking up and about putting down. Jesus goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
A yoke in Jesus's day was one of two things, really. The, the first type of yoke was a, a big wooden thing that two oxen um, were joined together with, and it went over the sort of the necks of the oxen, and it allowed um, them to be joined together so they could pull a plough and then plough a field. But there was another type of yoke used, and I'm just going to demonstrate this with a brush, not a hairbrush, just in case you're wondering why on earth a bald man needs a hairbrush, but one of these type of brushes, a garden brush. And this yoke was used like this. And it was put over the back of a person. And what it meant you could do is you could carry heavy burdens with it. So if you were carrying, say, water from a well, you would put rope on either end of it and you'd be able to carry two buckets. And you'd be able to carry it far further with the yoke than you would be if you were carrying it without it. Now, most older writers on this passage, most people who are writing a number of years ago, have always suggested that this was about the yoke between two oxen joined together and said, actually, we need to be joined to Christ. But more recently, people have asked the question, I wonder if this is actually what Jesus was referring to, the kind of yoke that goes over your shoulders, that we were able to carry something that is both balanced and feels lighter in that kind of way. Now, the yoke that Jesus is talking about is the yoke of the law. That's the heavy burden that he's referring to. For first century Jews, there were over 600 rules and regulations they had to keep. And it was seen as a burden. In fact, there were some writers of the time who would talk about the yoke as being a burden. It was, it was a concept that would have been known to Jesus' listeners. It was a heavy, heavy burden to carry. And then we hear Jesus' words of invitation, of knowing God. As the scriptures unfold, we find that Jesus fulfills the law in a way we can't. We find that Jesus becomes our once-for-all sacrifice. We find that Jesus takes the burden of sin from us on Calvary when we accept his offer of forgiveness. He removes sin from us and he allows us to enter into the very throne room of God. I don't know if you noticed the shape that was made when that was over my shoulders, but it's a kind of cross shape, isn't it? And it's just a reminder that actually it's the cross that takes the burden from us. It's the cross that enables us to live in freedom. And so Jesus calls us to take on his yoke, which is easy and light. And that that will give us rest deep within. Now, this is not the rest of the sun lounger. But it's the rest of knowing him and of being known by God. It's the confidence of becoming actually who God always wanted us to be in the first place. Free from sin, knowing God, confident in hope, living as Christ calls us. If this pandemic has taught us anything, dare I say it, about rest, is that actually sometimes our concepts of rest are actually quite shallow. Yeah, it's great to go on holiday. Yes, it's brilliant to be able to go on days away or to go walking or whatever it is that you do to relax. And it's important we do that. But there is no amount of human relaxation, no amount of human resting that will actually bring the depth of restoration to the soul that Jesus alone can bring. So practically, what does it mean to accept this invitation to come and rest in Christ? What does it mean? One of the earliest Christian proclamations and one of the most important even to this day is to simply say, Jesus is Lord. We ask people to say it when we baptise them to make that profession of faith. And essentially, when we say Jesus is Lord, 
What it means is that we're saying, I will follow him. I will do what he does. And inversely, I won't do the things that he doesn't. And yet, I don't know about you, but we have the habit of picking up other burdens. We take on ourselves things that actually we were never called to carry. And we can wear ourselves down by doing that. And we can find that we become laid down, perhaps not with the burdens of law-keeping, but with the burdens of responsibilities that actually were never meant to be ours in the first place. You see, Jesus calls us to a life of humility and gentleness. A life where there is no pride and no grandstanding, where that doesn't have a place. Yet even so, it is still easy to pick up burdens. You know, it may be today that you look at the state of the world, that you see the pandemic that is raging, you see the environmental disaster that appears to loom in the background, we see the racial tensions around our world, and we feel panicky about it, and we feel anxious about it. Now, it's absolutely right that as followers of Jesus, we are deeply concerned about the issues that face our world, just as Jesus was, issues of injustice and issues where mercy is needed. But we're never called to shoulder this on our own. We're called to be part of God's solution because Jesus is the saviour of the world. I'm never called to take on that role. You're never called to take on that role. We're called to partner with what Jesus is already doing. It's great, isn't it, to have a passion for evangelism and sharing the good news of the gospel. The call of Christ is that all his followers are witnesses and to some there is a specific calling to be an evangelist. But in verse 27 of this passage, it says, No one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. And so we can rest there, actually knowing that we're called to be witnesses, but it's Jesus who does the calling home. It's Jesus who calls the prodigals home. It's Jesus the one who convicts from sin, and Jesus the one who restores to new life. It's great to serve God in the church, but it's not our church. Even as a church leader, you know, it's not my church. It's Jesus' church. Jesus is head of the church. And so we can rest knowing that actually our calling is to serve under Jesus and to carry his burden, not to try and take our own. Another example could be the way the New Testament talks about the gifts of the Spirit being given to us. The, the, The Holy Spirit gives gifts to the church so that we can serve the church, so that we can build up the body of Christ. And yet how easy it is to try and pick somebody else's gift up that isn't your own and to weigh yourself out in the process doing that and to lose that sense of rest because we're trying to do something that Jesus has never called us to do. Perhaps today you actually don't know how God is calling you to serve him. You know, I believe that every Christian in some way is called to serve. If you want to explore that, you know, talk to one of the church leaders, give me a ring, drop me an email. I'd love to have that conversation with you. But we only find true rest when we actually realise who we are in Christ. When we stop striving to achieve our own agendas or even somebody else's agendas. But we sit under the sovereignty of God and we accept the lordship of Christ over our life. I don't know what you're carrying today. I don't know if you have found that you've picked stuff up that you were never meant to carry. Whether the responsibilities that you are shouldering that actually you're never meant to shoulder. If you're doing that, can I encourage you today to hear this invitation, to put down those burdens 
and to carry the yoke of Jesus, which is both easy and light. Well, how do we do this? Well, it boils down to a very simple question. Do we trust Jesus' words? Do we believe what he says? Will we accept his invitation to come and be refreshed and restored by making him truly Lord of our life? When Jesus ministered on the earth, one of the things he regularly did was to go away to a quiet place. The disciples would be in the midst of some busy sort of activity and Jesus would take himself off. And he would go and spend time with his father and make sure that his life was in line with what his heavenly father had called him to do. How much more do we need to do that? To unburden ourselves to our Lord, our Saviour and our friend. The one who calls us by name. The one who knows us and calls us to know him. The one who says, come. Come and unburden. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the encouragement that is in these words. And I just want to pray for each of us listening today, wherever we are, that you'll help us to have a deeper trust in you this week. That you'll help us to to listen to your words, but not just be listeners, but people who put this into practice and to follow you. Amen.